five, four, three, two, one. <clears throat> Thanks for tuning in to All Swish No Ish. Here is your host, Cody, Cody McBala. If you haven't already, I encourage you to look us up on social media and follow us. Give us a like. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The handle is at McBala Sports Training. We are on all those platforms as well as our website. McBallersports.site123.me There you can keep current with latest article postings, podcasts, and social media updates as well. Old and new episodes of the All Swish No Ish podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube as well. Who's there? Joining the show today is the one and only Erin Whalen. She's number 21, plays basketball for the Dayton Flyers, and is a sharpshooter. How are you doing, Erin? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. <laughs> Before we get into the questions, I would like to share my favorite Erin story. <laughs> um, the year that I was down at Vandy, that's where I met. Aaron originally she was in her sophomore year and the team was reading a book some John Gordon book for teamwork and whenever the player read it the night before they had to get up and practice and give their little spiel about the chapter and one day it was Aaron's turn to read the book so I walked into the film room and uh, one of the players mentioned to Aaron like they asked her how the chapter went and she realized that she didn't read last night so (laughs) she looked at me and told me to run into the locker room and grab the book for her so I sprinted there came back and when I came back there were coaches in the room and there wasn't before so I wasn't just gonna hand the book over in front of them so that they knew she didn't read it uh so one of the coaches looked at me and they said Cody it was your chapter last night and I said, yeah, it, it sure was. Uh, so I sat down. We did the film breakdown that day. And I was cramming that chapter in the back of the room. And when we got out to the court, uh, it was called to the middle to give the book report. And I think it was the best one of my life. And Aaron said she owed me big time, which is why she's joining us today. Yes. Oh my gosh. You literally saved my life on that one. But you did. The book report was great. I think everyone really appreciated it. (laughs) And I know I did. It was great. (laughs) So thank you for that. If I didn't say it enough already. (laughs) Why don't you share with everybody where you're from, where you grew up, and around what age you started playing basketball? Yeah, so I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I've lived there for about 15 years, so I definitely call that place my home. I started playing basketball, honestly, since the earliest I can remember, probably like three, four years old, I was already driven to basketball. I have two older siblings, and uh, basketball's just kind of always been a thing for my family, so I definitely grew up around it. 
both my parents played in college, so they always encouraged us to have a ball in our hands. Are your parents tall? I'm always just curious with basketball. <laughs> yeah, my mom, I'm taller than my mom's, but she's still, I think she's 5'10", um, and then my dad's like 6'4", six, 6'5". So yeah, we're all we're a pretty tall family. My dad's side of the family is really tall. I think all the girls are around six foot at least. So blessed with the height. <laughs> <laughs> and at a younger age, since you were the youngest one in the house, was there a lot of competition between you guys? Like, do you think that helped you grow as a player at all? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, most definitely. We I come from a very competitive family. I still, whenever I come home, it, I always play uh, one-on-one with my brother and we'll play even with his friends. We'll go play pickup, but competition runs deep in my house. Even if it's just a simple card game, it gets very heated very quickly. And it's funny now, a lot of my teammates are always like, Aaron, you know, it's okay to just take a, take a chill pill. Like nothing, or it doesn't always have to be a competition. And even if we're just doing something around the house or in the apartments, but yeah, we are a very competitive family, and I definitely think that that's helped kind of translate in, into my basketball abilities, just because I may not be the quickest or the strongest on the court, but I definitely play with fire, and I think that that competitive spirit kind of comes out of me in that. Is there a, whenever you think of, like, the competition in your house, is there, like, a go-to story that sticks out? I just remember it was, I believe it was my freshman year at Vandy, and my brother, he came down to visit me. It was my brother and my dad, actually. And the whole week leading up to it, my brother was so excited to be able to go onto the main court at Vandy and play me one-on-one. And so he was getting so hyped up for it, just saying how he's going to cross me up and win and have it be a blowout, yada, yada. And so it was the second play. He scored the first point, and then I got the ball. Second play, I crossed him up, had him on the floor, he <laughs> twisted his ankle, and I kid you not, he could not move for the rest of the weekend because it was so swollen. And I just thought it was the funniest thing because I was like, A, you're going to let that make you stop the game, and B, he was talking so much prior to playing, and I just thought it was hilarious. And we haven't had a competitive game since, let's just say that. <laughs> you said you played probably the earliest, like three years old. Can you just talk me through, like, where did you go after that, like, through AAU and then your high school? Yeah, so I definitely started young and just doing um, local teams around the Charlotte area. I was really involved with Yes, I Can Basketball. It was kind of like a motivational YMCA combo league type thing. And I ended up working for them for a little bit while I was in high school. But so I started out with them and then playing just travel ball with Carolina Courts. That's kind of the gym that I've kind of grown up working out in. And I have great trainers over there that have helped me really develop into the player that I am now. I give a lot of credit to them for sure. So started out with Carolina Courts and then going into my sophomore year of high school, AAU was a really big deal and that was kind of the main way that girls get recruited for high school. So me and one other friend of mine who actually just graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, Stephanie Watts, and now she's going to play at USC, California. 
So we both went to Virginia. So it was a five and a half hour drive, but we went to Virginia to play AAU with Boo Williams and they're in the Nike circuit. Mm-hmm. And that was a really cool experience. Granted, the, gr- the drive to practice wasn't always ideal. We do that every weekend, five and a half hours there, five and a half hours back. So shout out to my parents for making that drive. Yeah, we started, we did that for a little bit. And then I played in high school and ended up committing my junior year to Vandy. And tell everybody what you told me before we came on about you played volleyball in high school as well and what you achieved. Yeah, so I, even playing, even in middle school, I played a lot of different sports. I was really big into soccer and volleyball, actually. I was really loved playing it. And so in high school, I decided to do volleyball for my freshman year, and I ended up making both the JV and varsity team. And the varsity team actually went on to win a state championship. So that was my first state championship that I won. And then later on in high school for my junior and senior year, we, uh, the basketball team ended up winning the state championship as well. So finished out high school with three state championships and I was, felt like it was pretty successful. <laughs> so you said you played soccer, volleyball, and basketball when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it benefits an athlete to play multiple sports as they're growing up? Yeah, I definitely do. And if there was anything I would say to kids, I would just encourage them to play as many sports as they could. Just because when you're at a young age, you have no idea what you're going to be able to excel at. And I just feel like by playing more sports, you're able to learn a lot more and engage with more people. And I think even just athletically, use different types of muscles and just... I think overall, it's it's a great experience. I love sports, so I would encourage to do as many different sports as you possibly can. So of the two state titles you have in basketball, they were back-to-back years. Is that right, your junior and senior year? Yes, correct. Which one, if you had to pick one, like was your favorite? Maybe the team overcame some off-court struggles or something? Oh, my gosh. Um... I mean, both teams, there was just so such a different experience. Um, I don't know if I can necessarily pick one just because both teams had some big obstacles such as like team drama or just, you know, not being the like quote unquote team that should have won. But I mean, both experiences taught me a lot and just being resilient and playing for the next play and just having that quick turnaround mentality and just making sure like you're not giving up on any play but I don't know if I can necessarily pick one team or one championship that sticks out the most in my mind because both were just incredible experiences yeah I didn't think I was going to get you to it was worth a shot (laughs) sorry about that so after your junior year when you guys won and you said you were already committed to Vandy at that point Mm -hmm. so what motivated you for that next run? Because I would just imagine that it's like a huge burden lifted off of you because you already know where you're going to college and you already have a state championship under your belt. Yeah, I, I definitely think I was able to play a little bit more free and just not as stressed. But with that being said, I definitely wanted to finish out my senior year with a bang. And I, 
um, at my school, we had consecutive state championships. I think it was 12 in a row at that point. Weird flex, but okay. And I definitely did not want to be the senior class that ended the state championship streak. So I really wanted to make sure that I was kind of carrying on the school legacy and just making sure that I was ending it on a strong note and even just preparing myself for the next level. You know, I didn't really, I didn't really want to backtrack in my development and I just wanted to make sure that I was as ready as I possibly could be for the next level. At what point in your playing career, like AAU or early high school, did you realize you were good enough to play D1 and get a scholarship? That is a great question. Honestly, I don't think I really believed that I would be going to play D1 until I got into high school. Uh, My parents both were really strong believers and just really encouraged me to kind of stick with basketball and to just keep working hard at it, even at a really young age. I remember coming home from a practice in eighth grade and my dad was talking to me about how I need to make sure that I'm taking my practices serious and that I'm really being dedicated to the sport just because he believed that I'd be able to play D1 even when I was in middle school. But I don't know if I necessarily believed in it until I really got my first offer going into my freshman year of high school. After going to a couple of late camps, I remember back to back that weekend, I had two offers and I was like, oh, wow, this is this is actually something I can do. And so that kind of was my wake up call for that. So for those of us that have never been through the process and will never be, can you (laughs) tell us what goes through like the recruiting process and how you determined what schools you visited and ultimately what school you chose? Yeah, so the recruiting process is actually really complicated. Colleges can start talking to your high school or, I guess, AAU or middle school coaches whenever, but they can't directly contact you until your, I believe it's your sophomore year now. The rules change all the time, but I believe they can't contact you until your sophomore year of high school. Before that, you'll get a ton of mail from just various schools letting you know that they're interested in you. Uh, I remember coming home from high school practices and just having letters and letters from colleges all across the country just with coaches writing saying we're interested, we love your style of play, and giving me more information about the school. So that's kind of how you initially start to realize what schools are interested in you. And then your high school coaches will hopefully be on board with the recruiting process. Some might be more equipped to kind of handle the situation than other others, but the high school coaches will contact the colleges that you may, might want to reach out to and just make the coaches more aware of yourself by sending them videos, highlight tapes, film, anything like that. But they'll do that, and then once the coaches can contact you, it's kind of a free-for-all. You'll get texts night and day and phone calls constantly. So the process can be very overwhelming. So how many visits did you go on? How did you determine what what schools you were going to visit and then what schools you were just ultimately going to throw the letters in the trash? Yeah, my parents were really big on me making sure that I kept my options open and didn't tell a school no before I either did my own research on them or took an unofficial. I took a lot of unofficial visits to 
necessarily. And what's the difference between an unofficial and official for people that don't know? So an unofficial visit, you can take at any time and you can take as many as you want. But the unofficial basically means that you have to pay for your transportation, um, hotels, anything revolving around the visit. Whereas for official visits, you can only take five of them and you are only allowed to take them going into your junior year and on. But again, you can only take five. So at that point, you really have to have your list of schools kind of narrowed down. And at the during the official visits, the coaches really try to not pressure you, but just encourage you to commit to them, whether you're ready to or not. But the point of the officials is to really get an understanding of the coaches and trying to really decide if that's the school that you want to be at or not. Whereas for me, the unofficials were more just seeing if I was interested in the school. The official visits are the entire weekend and it's a very long weekend. You're going to meet the entire team, all the coaching staff, all the support staff, academic people, usually like the presidents of the universities, the athletic director. So it's a jam-packed weekend. And so you typically are only taking those at schools that you're about to commit to. So when you made your decision, ultimately, how big of a factor was the academic side of it? Because I know sometimes athletes get a bad reputation for just concentrating on athletics. Yeah. um, Academics was a huge, huge reason why I chose Vandy initially. I obviously really loved the fact that I was in the SEC, but I knew for me, the WNBA is probably not in my future, potentially playing overseas, but ultimately academics for me is what's going to help me out the most. So I really wanted to make sure that I was going to a school that would allow me to have a great career after I was finished playing. So academics was really my number one that thing that was driving me to commit to Vanderbilt. And then obviously I love the city and the team was a great addition as well. So that was very nice. Yeah, I didn't know before I moved down there, like just how important academics was at Vandy, just because I'd, <laughs> I'd seen it on TV and stuff, but I was like, yeah. that's another school. And then I didn't realize how much people freak out about the court down there with the benches being on the baseline. Yeah, it's definitely a home court advantage. I loved playing at home for that reason, just because coaches would get so frustrated with it the team you could tell would get really frazzled by it so I loved it I thought it was cool what make what what makes it an advantage I just I've never played on a bench that sits like that so to me it just looked I would think it'd be easier because you're looking straight at the other team's bench yeah I think coaches don't like it because communicate as well with their team and then the point guards and other people on the court aren't really able to hear what the coaches are talking about. Whereas I think for us, since we know that that's a factor going into practices and things like that, we really try to, or we tried to have that in the back of our minds and just be able to make our decisions quickly and kind of on our own. Yeah. I, I remember like coming back to Indy, I think it was during Thanksgiving break and I went to the high school that I worked with while I was in college and the coaches were asking me they're like oh that's the school with the baseline benches and I did not know that was a well-known thing at Vandy but everyone (laughs) was intrigued yeah yeah so 
as a collegiate athlete, what do you think is the hardest thing uh, to get used to? Is it the new playing field? Is it the intense schedule that you're under? I think it varies a lot for different people. I know homesickness was a big thing for a couple people on the team. I didn't experience that too much. I, I mean, I FaceTimed my family a lot and things like that, but I feel like for me, it was probably adjusting to the speed of the game. Okay. I know I always like to say in high school that I like to play fast, but especially in the SEC, it's just a whole nother level of speed and just being able to adjust to that, especially defensively, was probably the thing that I had to really focus on in the summer and off seasons. I know in your first few years, the two years you were at Vandy, uh, you guys didn't win that many games <laughs> as compared to your high school career where you went out with back-to-back championships. Right. How was it dealing with those losses at first? Because I would assume that it's hard to swallow after you've done everything you did at the high school level. Yeah, it was extremely difficult. And even looking back at it now, it still gets me very frustrated just because I feel like we should have done more than what we did. And a lot of the games, it came down to free throws or layups or just one extra play. And so it was definitely hard to swallow. Every single game was very tough. And I don't, I personally never got used to the feeling of losing. It was, it was horrible every single time. So um, not a feeling I ever want to get used to. And now you're at Dayton. So that feeling's gone maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be at Dayton. The team culture here is great. You know, they've gone to multiple NCAA tournaments. They've won multiple A-10 championships. And just everyone here just kind of has a different mindset of losing's not uh, a choice. It's not an option. Everyone, it, when the rare occasions that we do lose, the locker room's just dead silent. And everyone's just kind of going through the game play by play. And the next couple practices are just more intense than anyone would ever imagine. And just the championship culture really here is really preached here and it's lived out in every day. I'm just curious, this isn't even something I had on the list of questions. If, like, how are the cities different between Dayton and Nashville? <laughs> um, they are very different. So <laughs> Nashville is a, um, it was a fun city. I, I could see myself moving back there and living there for a little bit. It has more of a nightlife and just uh, lots of country music and really just music overall. Dayton is more of a, they really preach community here. The people here are really welcoming and great. Not as much to do. You kind of have to make your own fun. They do have really cool hole in the wall places and I'm still trying to go to a new spot every weekend. They do have a lot of things to offer. It's just kind of making sure you're going out to find them. Whereas at in Nashville, it's kind of you walk outside and you see a new restaurant or you could see a celebrity or something like that. And at Dayton, it's not necessarily like that. So you decided to transfer after your second year at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. Can you take us through the transfer process and... Like, is it anything similar to the 
original recruiting process from high school? I would say it's somewhat similar, but then it's also very different. I think the second time around, I definitely knew what I wanted out of a program and out of a coach. So I was very quick to tell any coaches that were recruiting me that what I wanted out of them, what I was expecting from the program and how I would be able to benefit as well as help the program out. Whereas out of high school, I had no idea really what I was wanting. And I just think that it was such a big decision, even just deciding on a college, let alone playing a sport in college. I think that the decision is huge for any 18 year old to make, but definitely the second time around, I had a more clear vision and just knew what I was looking for. How does it work when you change? Like, who's the first person you I, that you tell? Um, I think there's a couple ways you can go about doing it. You can go directly to the compliance offices or your athletic director and tell them. But I wanted to make sure that the coaches knew before they heard it from anyone else. I wanted them to hear it from me first. So when I did decide to transfer, I contacted my head coach and asked to meet with her. And in the meeting, there was a couple other coaches on staff there. And I basically just said, I'm wanting to transfer the next morning. My plan is to go tell compliance to release me from my contract and that's what to I put me on the um, transfer portal. That's what I was going to ask. I didn't know if there was a conflict, like with the letter of intent. I didn't know if they had to release you from it or something. Yeah. And luckily I was able to be released right away. I ha- have heard a couple like horror stories by like, coaches refusing to let players be released or limiting them on the schools that they can transfer to. And I, I know that that is a real situation, but I was lucky enough to not have that happen to me. So this past season, you had to sit out because of the transfer rule, so you didn't get to play Dayton. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what have you been doing with, the, with your time there? For anyone that says that your transfer year goes by fast, I would like to say that that is a lie. (laughs) Um, No, but I have been very busy this year. I definitely have been hitting the gym hard with the weight room and just making sure that I was taking advantage of this off year to get better. I had a lot of things that I wanted to work on and just make sure that I was going to be at the top of my game when I am able to come back on the court. So just making sure I was hitting the weight room hard and doing a lot of individual workouts with my coaches. And then academically was also a really big year for me as well. I'm trying to graduate with a master's. So I had to do 19 hours both my fall and spring semester. So that was a lot of uh, time commitment just academically. But luckily, I had a lot of great professors, and the school here is awesome and just willing to work with you, so that made it a lot easier. (laughs) I don't know if it's to brag, but yes, this summer I've been very busy as well.
weekend. So just helping market for those events and just oversee the events as well. So it's been a fun summer, very busy, but I'm learning a lot. So that's been good. How hard was it like as a competitor to, because I'm assuming you still attended the games and sat mm-hmm. through them and everything. Yeah, uh, I took practices as serious as I could, especially on days that we were going over scout. That kind of, in my mind, was my game days. So I had to obviously emulate one of their players or really focus in on the plays that we wanted to focus in on. So I took that opportunity as me trying to get better and trying to take that as kind of my game days. But yeah, watching the team play, I that was a hard hit for me just because I wanted to be able to help out more than it, just my practice duties. But I think that by sitting out, I was able to kind of have a greater respect for the game and just also learn a lot more. So I am grateful for the year off, but definitely excited to get back on the court. Do you think that that rule should be changed, that you shouldn't have to sit out for a year? I personally would like to understand why that's the rule to begin with. I don't really know the principle behind the rule. I don't know if it's to help limit the amount of transfers, but if that's the case, it's not. I don't know if that's really a good reason. I feel like if individuals are willing to transfer and kind of uproot their lives, that there's a reason behind it. So I, again, I kind of would like to know the reasoning behind the sitting out a year before I say it should go away or not so as we wrap up with the final few questions what advice would you give to an athlete that is choosing where they want to play in college great question to any athlete that's thinking about playing a sport in college I would definitely say just to consider the things that can't change like the location of the school the academics aspect of the school and the culture those are things that aren't going to change while you're there or if it is that it's very hard for them to change and you know team members can leave coaches can leave so I wouldn't base your decisions purely on the coaching staff that you love or a couple team members that you love because at the end of the day both of those aspects they can leave, and that would just not be a good situation. Did that happen with you at, at Vandy? Yeah, so when I... I just not realized that. Yeah, I was recruited by Melanie Balcom and her coaching staff, and then I think it was like maybe a few weeks before I was supposed to go to school, I got heard, or I heard that Melanie Balcom had been released and the rest of the coaching staff as well and so then that's when we got the news that Stephanie White was going to be our head coach as well so with the final question here you've done good so far uh, after after this offseason and preparing for your first year playing for Dayton what is your next big goal that you want to achieve, whether it be on the court or in the classroom? Yeah, so I have a couple things that I would like to do. On the court, I think our entire team has the same mindset. We are going in with this season 
not hoping, but we are determined to win the A-10 championship this year. We let it slip out of our hands last year, and I think everyone's just really excited for the opportunity again. So that's definitely going to be our number one, just making sure that we win the A-10s and can go back to the NCAA tournament. And then academically, I graduate with my undergrad this year. And so I'm hoping to graduate with a 3.5 or higher. Um, so that's been my goal since I got here to graduate. I can't remember if it's cum laude or whatever <laughs> the saying is, but graduate with um, honors. So that's been my focus and I've been on track with it. So hopefully I'll be able to continue with that as well. That is all the questions I have. Thank you for taking the time to come on and answer these for me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I was able to help you out. Good luck with the season and everything in the classroom. Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So this concludes the fifth episode of the All Swish No Ish podcast. Again, thanks, Aaron, for coming on. I really enjoyed listening to what you had to say and appreciated your insight. Learned a lot about the recruiting process and the transferring process from a player's point of view. That was episode five, so we're halfway through the first season of this podcast. Remember, the show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube as well. You can find McBala Sports Training, the at handle at McBala Sports Training on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And on Twitter, we are at McBala Training. Find us, give us a like, thumbs up, follow us. We appreciate that very much. Also, visit the website if you're interested in reading any new article postings, checking on social media updates, and seeing latest podcasts as well. Everything is stored there. That is mcballasports.site123.me, and you can find everything about podcasts and also player development training as well. Before you go, I'd like to give you some advice if you're someone out there that's thinking about starting your own podcast and not sure how to go about it. Just let me give you some advice that someone once gave me. Don't shoot the ish. Shoot the swish.